you think about the internet and it really has become the success that it has because it's open, open to innovation. The barriers to entry are relatively small. And so the internet's open to competition. It's open to innovation, but our access to the internet, which I often refer to as the on-ramp to the internet is closed. Welcome to On Uninformed. I'm Sean Seavey. Each week, On Uninformed helps you in being connected to the world around you so you don't feel dumb around your smart friends. We're talking about why your internet sucks. But the internet doesn't suck. Your internet company does. Your internet service provider, or ISP. So your internet is open and free to the world, but your ISP is closed and lacking innovation. Joining me to talk about this irony is Jeff Christensen. We shared the stage at TEDx Salt Lake City, and this was his very topic. The event that really made me want to have Jeff on the show was me not having internet for an entire week. It was terrible. Not having the internet was bad, but the worst part was that the ISP had zero urgency in getting our line back up. And there's not much we could have done about it. I I could have canceled the internet service from this internet company that starts with a C. But my only other option was another internet company that also starts with a C. So if you can't relate to having internet problems like this, this episode might not be for you. But for the other 99% of you, take a listen. So Jeff Christensen, welcome to On Uninformed. Thank you, Sean. Good to be here. Okay, so you've become like an ISP, an internet uh, freedom activist of sorts. How did you get here? What, what's your background? Well, I, um, I major, I did my master's degree in human resource management, and I did my undergraduate degree in psychology. So it wasn't my education that led me here. I, I was, I was going to say, I'm like, okay, um, psychology, okay, um, so, but you're with a company that has uh, been disruptive in, in this market. So, tell me a little about, about your company. Okay. Our company is Entry Point Networks, and this is a company that's based in Salt Lake City, and we've, we've, our development team is in Idaho, um, and our business development team is in Salt Lake. Initially, the three of us that are the partners in Salt Lake were just investors, and we really didn't know much about the space. But this has been a nearly a 10-year startup. We've been we're doing research and development for nearly about nine years. Wow. And um, the first few years, we, we had another company, which we sold, and at that point, it became a full-time focus for us. So it's really been an evolution, yeah. and I've gone from novice to at least a certain level of expertise over that time period well and then this is something that um we don't have a lot of experts in because it's a moving field let's talk about the problem with internet service providers or isps the problem is there's a real fundamental misalignment in the industry and this is an industry nobody um, sat back when the as the internet initially emerged and thought, what's the best way to organize this? Um, And by that, I mean the access to the internet, not necessarily the internet. There was a lot of thought that went into the internet itself. But the internet service providers were opportunistic, and these were the 
either the cable companies or the phone companies primarily who saw the opportunity to move into this new space. Over time, it became obvious they were going to lose their phone lines to this new technology that was emerging, both cell phones and the Internet. So it was opportunistic by these companies. But we're at a point now where the problems from the industry are apparent. And so people and companies like ours are able to sit back and say, what is the problem and how do we fix it? Yeah, let's dig more into the problem here. So the problem is that, well, there's a, there's a number of them. Uh, part of it's what you experienced, uh, which is a customer service problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. And everybody's had a, a problem with it. And yeah. my parents have had a problem with it. I, yeah, there's no good options out there. Yeah. So in my TED Talk, which you've heard too many times now, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I talk about, I mean, if you do a search on companies with the worst customer service, the top three are all ISPs, which is, you know, that's across all industries. <laughs> I, is that a surprise? <laughs> no, it's that's, not. It's a common experience. Yeah. And even if you do a search on most hated companies, the company that comes up first in worst customer service also comes up first as most hated and then if you do a search on most hated companies in the world the same company comes up (laughs) okay which means there's just more frustrated people who are answering that question (laughs) but nothing's changing right so so one problem or one symptom is obviously the customer service experience but fundamentally um sort of at a strategic level i think you think about the internet and it really has become the success that it has because it's open yeah right open to innovation the barriers to entry are relatively small to that doesn't mean you're going to succeed but you can come and play and compete and so the internet's open to competition it's open to innovation but our access to the internet which i often refer to as the on-ramp to the internet yeah is closed closed. so the internet's the highway the internet service provider is the on-ramp that's the on-ramp yeah that's right that's the way we access the highway. And we're in like a horrible traffic jam. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's a closed system. So it just doesn't make sense. And it's tragic and ironic yeah. that something that's successful because it's open has this on-ramp that's closed. It, it doesn't make sense. It's a fundamental misalignment. Yeah. The other thing that's misaligned is that the people who pay for the infrastructure. So... An important concept for us is to separate infrastructure and services. Yeah. Infrastructure is the wire or the signal that we, that's kind of the highway. The service runs on the infrastructure. In the current model, those things are commingled. They're together. Because the, the company is the one putting down the lines. Right. I mean, the reason I didn't have internet is because they're redoing the lines, which wasn't a big... They were, it's good. They were updating them. If they would explain that. <laughs> yeah. And apparently there was like, yeah, something on the door that ended up in the trash to warn us. But um, that would have been fine. That was supposed to take one day. Mm-hmm. But they didn't hook us back in. <laughs> and then the person that came the next day didn't hook us back in. And there was really no urgency for this guy out in the field to to fix it yeah yeah so this other misalignment is that the people who pay for the infrastructure which is you and me yeah uh, don't have any ownership or control of the thing we're paying for we're renters forever we're we're renters in this model and we will never be owners in the current model yeah and so 
because we don't have any ownership or control, we can't influence the outcomes. And, and, and really, because it's really become a monopoly for a small set of companies, it's difficult for them, them to pay attention to the customer because there's no competition. Yeah. There's not real competition. And if you want to compete, you got to build your own infrastructure. And that's that average cost is going to be 2000 to $3,000 per customer. So you roll that out to a city of 50,000 or 100 and it's a very big lift right. to compete. When you're talking about like if somebody new comes in, um, they have to build their own infrastructure. That's like Google Fiber. Google Fiber, they put their own infrastructure in um, and yeah, they, they have to do that. So is that working? Yeah, so Google, Google obviously has a better brand, a much better brand than the big companies, the big ISPs. Yeah. And Google's got a different set of incentives. Right. Um, you know, everybody knows they're interested in the data. Um, a lot of people, Kevin Kelly, who you interviewed, thinks that they're building an AI, that Google's real business is to build <laughs> artificial intelligence. Yeah. yeah, so if you press Google on what they're doing... They'll say search isn't our real business. It's we're building an AI. Okay. So they have a different set of in- incentives. But what Google apparently found was that this infrastructure build is a much bigger task. I mean, their their goal first was to build it out nationwide. Yeah. So you're talking about building infrastructure for a whole country, and it just was too much. They figured out it didn't. Whatever they were trying to achieve, it didn't pencil out for them because I, I know it, like utah was a big testing ground it's provo and salt lake we're waiting for it to come to my house <laughs> yeah um but it didn't crack it wasn't everything it cracked up to yeah so they've they've totally <clears throat> pulled back and i think they're reevaluating their model but they still we would say the mistake that google made was that google is still controlling the infrastructure and the services yeah and we think so this is getting into the solution, yeah. but we think that that's the wrong model. That the same entity should not control the infrastructure and the services. And ISP is a service; it's one of the services. Yeah. So let's go more into that. Your model is not the Google Fiber model. It's not uh, just doing the same thing we've been seeing before. Um, what is the solution? Let's talk about it. So we think infrastructure for the internet for communications is now as important as our roads, as electricity. Water might be a stretch because we actually die without water. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll give you that. Sewer, roads, airports, it, electricity. We would argue broadband communications are now as important as those things to the modern world. To it's the, a utility, just yeah, like the rest of it. It's a utility. Yeah. So we should treat it like a utility um, for a lot of reasons. Um, and it's not that we think cities per se are a more righteous entity to control this infrastructure, <laughs> but it's the right entity so that everybody has access to it. Okay. So the city on behalf of the citizens should control the infrastructure, not the services, just the infrastructure. Okay, yeah. Let's dig into that deeper. Why um, Why does that make it better? So whoever, the rule is that whoever controls the infrastructure has control. 
And as I said earlier, all of us as, as consumers are paying for this infrastructure. So ultimately we wanted, what we want to do is move control to the people who actually pay for the infrastructure, which is us, you and me, yeah. the consumer. So how do we move control to the people who are really funding it? Part of the issue is a separation of power. It's taking away power over the entities that control both the services and the infrastructure currently. But ultimately, it is about moving control to the consumer. So in the model we like, this infrastructure, the best analogies are sewer systems and water systems. When we pay those off at our residences, we don't continue to pay for the infrastructure. It actually is paid off, which is is the best indicator that we own that infrastructure. Yeah. So they don't continue to charge me for my water connection at my house. Once I pay for it, it belongs to the property. Yeah. And that's the way communications infrastructure should work in our world. Wow. So tell me what your company has, has done. Um, this is uh, kind of a, a daunting task to, to, to make this services a utility and um, to, to separate how this is, to change how it's done. So how has EntryPoint done this? Yeah. So, you know, go back to Google. If you think about what Google was initially trying to do, which was go across the country. Yeah. If they had approached it different and had gone to the cities and encouraged the cities to build out and own their own infrastructure, yeah. then it becomes, there's actually 20,000 plus cities in the U.S., you know, then it becomes sort of an advisory role to these 20,000 cities doing their own project. But okay. Google's not funding that infrastructure and they're not even responsible for the project management. They may be, they may create a playbook on how to do it, but that's a much different thing. So Google would be like, hey, you guys put up the grids, we'll provide the service. So what we do is we come in and we create a cloud for services. Yeah. So that's our company is creating this cloud and bringing cloud-like functionality so that in our world an ISP is in the cloud. Okay. And it's and we've created the separation between the infrastructure and the service, but the service is dependent on the infrastructure. So it rides on the infrastructure, but it exists in the cloud. So <clears throat> the first two cities we deployed are in Idaho. Yeah. And the one that's gotten the most recognition is Ammon, Idaho. Okay. And in Ammon, because the ISP is in the cloud, the residents of Ammon can change their ISP in 20 to 30 seconds. Really? Literally. So it's just point and click. So, so kind of walk me through it. I'm the customer and I'm like, you know what? I want to switch services. What? Walk me through what's going on. So you've got a, a normal internet portal. So you get yeah. into your portal and you can look at your dashboard and see what services you're subscribed to. Okay, just on you're just on your computer. Yeah. Yep. And ISP is the one that people are most familiar with, but we can talk about other services that can be in this portal. Okay. But you go in, you look at your ISP, you think I want to switch, you hit unsubscribe. And what our software does is it actually tears down the connection. It dismantles the connection. Then you would go into, you'd click on a, another tab and you'd say, what are my other options? Yeah. You would look at 
the bandwidth that's available, the pricing packages. You click on the one you want, subscribe, and a new network is provisioned. So a new connection is provisioned. Yeah. And it takes 20 to 30 seconds to go live, and you've got a new ISP. Wow. I mean, it's just like when you say like it's kind of like unsubscribing from a podcast. I've done that all the time. Like, okay, unsubscribe from this podcast, subscribe to this podcast, (laughs) except it's something continuous like internet. That easy. Yeah. Yeah. So really what we're bringing to bear here, there's some new technologies that we don't, we don't need to get into the weeds of these. One of them is automation. Okay. So, you know, the value, part of the value of the ISP is they're doing things that we don't know how to do, right? They're doing network engineering that the lay person doesn't know how to do. But if we automate a lot of that functionality so that it becomes a button to push, yeah, and then software is orchestrating the provisioning of these networks or the tearing down of these networks, then the layperson can do what the technician previously had to do. So we're using software-defined networking, network virtualization, which most people won't understand, and we're using network automation to make it possible. But it really is, it becomes a point-and-click experience to change your isp well okay so let's go back to my situation i don't know if if your system if my internet would ever not work but let's say i'm really dissatisfied with my internet and it's been a whole day and we didn't have internet like well say we're on the same network that ammon was on uh the same structure i would go online switch my service no contracts or nothing Everything's better now. Yeah. So you, I mean, you can, and I can explain the pricing in a minute, but you can have two ISPs simultaneously. Oh, okay. For 10 bucks. I mean, you, you could add the second one for $10 and I'll explain how that works. But, um, or you could just go in and unsubscribe and say, this isn't working for me. Even if it's just for today, this yeah. isn't working. I unsubscribe and subscribe to a new provider and then try that out. And if that doesn't work, you can switch again you've talked about before how this uh, affects like the whole economy of everything the pricing and everything let's talk about that yeah so before ammon's so ammon's network went live in september of 2016 prior to that they had a cable company that controlled the whole market 80 percent market share by this cable company and their average entry price was 75 dollars per Per house, per for ISP, and that was for a thirty meg connection. It was, okay, for it was really meg. up to thirty meg, and if you tested it, you probably weren't getting thirty meg a lot. But hey, seventy five bucks a month. Yeah, okay. but they had data caps, so for a family that had children that were on their devices a lot, we think the average that people were actually paying was around one hundred and twenty to one hundred twenty five. Oh, okay. the, the actual price because of these data caps. Oh, so it was <clears> capped. Uh, so you'd pay extra to get. If you um, would go over, so you've just like your cell phone. If you right. go over your data your, plan, kind your of data thing, plan, yeah, okay. then you're you know big upcharge, right? For that because they can, because they they were the only game in town really, okay, for fast internet. All right, so, so we start about seventy five. Okay, so they're at seventy five. So Ammon goes live September of two thousand sixteen, and to understand Ammon, you've got to understand this separation of infrastructure and services. When Ammon put in fiber optics. They they didn't force anybody to sign up, so it was voluntary. 
those who chose to sign up, which has turned out to be 75% of the population, of the population that they've built out, it's, it's wow. evolving <laughs> over time. So those who elected to sign up, they get charged $17 for the infrastructure and they get charged sixteen fifty a month for maintenance and operation of the network. So you're just under $34 for the infrastructure. Okay. But that's, that's a gig pipe. So that means you've got the capacity to have a gig connection to your house. So just the infrastructure is 34 bucks. Got it. So then you've got services on, in the cloud on top of it. And ISP started at $45 for a hundred meg connection within 10 months. It went down from 45 to 39 to 29 to 1999, and right now is at 9.99 for for 100 meg symmetrical connection. So 100 meg wow. up and down. And how many? Uh, so it started with uh, one provider, but then you got more providers. There's uh, four on the network right now. Started out with just started out with one internet service provider, mm-hmm. and then you got four in there. And the costs went down, and let's. This, this is good uh, supply and demand. Let, let's. Why did this happen? Yeah, because part of it is that because of automation, we've made it really easy for the service providers to come on. Yeah. So they're used to a world where they have to build out all the infrastructure. Th- that's true. So that so it's cheaper for them. Yeah, they get charged fifty dollars a month to be a service provider. Yeah. So because the cable company basically had a monopoly, it's a new market for them. They, yeah. they see that this whole city is an opportunity for us. We can provision them in a day because it's software and it's 50 bucks a month for them to be on the network. Yeah. So low barriers to entry for the service providers. We want them in the cloud for competition. And then we really are, our goal is to move control to the consumer. Yeah. That control comes in the form of more influence over pricing through supply and demand, the ability, I mean, when you can change your service provider in less than 30 seconds, then the whole market changes. The market behavior of the service providers change. Well, mm-hmm. and my internet service provider that started with the C would have to actually listen to me. Right. If there's three other people that I could switch to right away. Yeah. And that's, You know, that's a good point. And just this last week, we added to the portal the ability to rate your service provider. Oh. Which we know people pay attention to. Oh, yeah. I I mean, you think about Yelp. (laughs) You think about... Amazon and et cetera. We have Ammon Idaho was the starting grounds for this open world of internet service providing. Is is this just an isolated incident or more has it caught on to other places? Municipal broadband is a thing. Um but about 100 cities across the country have tried municipal broadband. Ammon, we're going to argue, is the future, the model. And Ammon's the first to do this cloud way where they create a cloud. Most of the cities that have tried it have just tried to pull the ISP out of the equation and insert the city in okay. under the same model. All right. So they don't separate the infrastructure and the services. They don't create a cloud of service providers because the problem, the way they defined the problem was a fast internet problem. So a lot of the communities that have tried it have said the problem is we want fast internet. Yeah. If you define the problem that way, you're willing to accept any solution to that. 
And we think that's not the problem. The problem is control over infrastructure and giving that control to the consumer. Yeah. And if you solve that problem, fast internet will happen. It's inevitable. Right. In fact, let's just make sure we've outlined all the benefits for our listeners. When you create, when you give the service to the customer, like, uh, like entry point has done, um, when, uh, when it's no longer monopoly, you, you get lower prices, faster internet because of the competition. Same reason. Let's see, what am I missing? Well, so the, the primary benefits, one is that you've got robust infrastructure. So yeah. I would argue that fiber optics are the most future-proof technology we have. Yeah. Because the capacity is, in a lab environment, it's up to 5 million megabits per second. What? 5 million megabits per well, second in a lab. So it's, we can't see that horizon when we'll, we'll consume that kind of capacity. You're saying the cables themselves. So yeah, and not to confuse it with cable, which is a different technology, or the the fiber. Sorry, you're it saying is a fiber, fiber optic cable, yeah. uh, which is different than Comcast cable. Okay, they use coax. Um, so the actual capacity over a strand of glass, fiber optic glass, is in a lab environment five million megabits per second, and at our homes, you know, if we have if we have a hundred, we're really fortunate. Yeah, but the capacity is essentially unlimited. Wow, because what you can do with this infrastructure so so you put in robust infrastructure and then on so that we all have the capacity we want bandwidth becomes abundant rather than scarce yeah and then you create a cloud on top of it to create competition to drive prices down to improve service and then also to bring innovation so we, we get innovation with the internet yeah but we don't get innovation through the ISP that controls the on-ramp. No kidding, yeah. They control what happens. And so we don't get, people don't even think about, well, what kind of innovation could occur. But there's a lot that could occur that doesn't because they control that on-ramp. Right. So we're, we're talking about entry point. Uh, this is a big company, small company, mid-sized business. How, how big are we? It's about 10 individuals right Wait, now. Just 10 people. Yeah. And so... Uh, Seven of those are owners. So okay. I've got six partners. Okay. You're a lean startup. Very small startup. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We are a lean startup. We're a, I mean, it's been a long R&D cycle. Yeah. So we've been at this for nine years. We partner with the University of Utah School of Computing. There's a okay. lab up there called the Flux Research Lab. And then we've worked with them since 2012 to yeah. solve these problems. Wow. But we're pretty lean. But pretty yeah, ten people. Yeah, that's a very small business. Yeah. Um, and then you're all owners. Okay. Wow. So you're talking about a pretty cool future here. Um, you said, "May what if it is too the- theoretical?" Right now, we see it's uh, Ammon, which is a lean team of ten guys right now, versus these heavy hitter ISPs. How's this battle going to play out? And how do you guys got a chance? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an, that's an obvious problem because it's a trillion dollar industry, uh, wow. these networks and that includes wired and wireless. Um, for us, we don't really focus on either capitalization or size of the industry. We focus on the size of the ideas Okay, and we just we know that 
before the internet, nobody could imagine the disruption that was going to take place. Nobody, I mean, you can talk about companies that were dismantled. Uh, you know, an obvious one is Kodak. Uh-huh. You know, nobody imagined a world where Kodak was about to get disrupted yeah. before it happened. And so for us, it's really about the best ideas and bringing them, instantiating those ideas in the real world. And so we don't really get worried about how big the industry is that we're trying to change. We focus on get the technology, what's working, what's not working, and getting it deployed. I was up in Idaho today, and the chairman of the FCC, who just finished his term, actually did a, a video, a 10-minute speech on why Ammon is the model wow. for the future. A shout out from uh, yeah. FCC guy. Yeah. And then the head of US Ignite, which is part of the, the National Science Foundation, was there and was the keynote. Huh. And, and he's, he said, this kind of network is the future. So he wasn't necessarily there to endorse our company per se. Right. He was just there to say, this is the world of the future where services are in the cloud and infrastructure is robust and open. So we're not saying that AT&T is going to go away or Comcast is going to go away. We're saying that this is a better model. And as we can get people to replicate the model, whether it's in, it could be a cooperative of neighbors that, that implement this model. Yeah. Or cities or small towns or counties. But we know from the internet that open wins <laughs> that open produces better outcomes and so that's so you guys are right on track we're ab- we're advocating open networks and open innovation and the way to do it is to take the control of the infrastructure and give it to the consumer well jeff christensen uh thank you for giving me hope for my uh depressing time uh seven days without the internet and uh <laughs> So I could look forward to a better future. Um, and, and thank you for offering actually a solution to this problem. Thank you, Sean. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. We put a link to Jeff Christensen's talk at TEDx Salt Lake City in the show notes. It's titled, The Internet Disruption That Every City Needs. His video, and mine as well, just came out on YouTube last week. Check it out. Our music is provided by D.D. Dumbo. I'm Sean Seavey, and you've been listening to Un-Uninformed. Thanks, everybody.